Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time, or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus, so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey everybody, how you going? Who survived Mother's Day morning? Oh yeah, no hair. There's one, I said that head. (laughs) How many mums are at home cooking? I know there's a few (laughs) for the family to come, it's great. Ah, well, what a great day. We're in this series out of the cave and I just thought I'd frame it up again to um, to understand why we're doing the series. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 and there's a guy in there called Elijah. And Elijah's one of the famous prophets in the Old Testament and... uh, he had just had this incredible battle. He, he first of all, he stopped the rain and there was uh, absolutely drought in the land. And we understand drought as Australians, so we get it. There's drought in the land. Everyone's really needing water. And they're all seeking after a God to solve the problem. And, and there's the prophets of Baal. There was 450 of those. And there was the prophet of God, Elijah. And they end up on top of this mountain and Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to uh, call down fire from heaven and burn an altar up and sacrifice to show who was God, whose God was real. The prophets of Baal, they practiced all day. They screamed and shouted and carried on, cut themselves, did a whole pile of things. And while that was happening, Elijah was taunting them, which is a typical Aussie thing to do, sledging on a cricket field or a football field or at home. I get it. We won't do that today, men, because it's Mother's Day. And he was sledging him and nothing happened. And then he got, and which is one of the interesting parts of this story, he actually got water and tipped it over the altar. Now, if you understand that, water water was super precious at that time. They're on top of a mountain, so they had to carry it up. Uh, And they tipped it over the altar, the super precious thing of water. And then fire came from heaven and burnt the altar up. Everyone thought, well, that's fantastic. We're going to follow after Yahweh, the God of heaven. And he went and dragged all the prophets of Baal down the bottom of the hill, the people and him, and he killed them all, uh, which was a great finish to the prophets of Baal. And then he... um, took off and said, you know, there's going to be rain and saw rain and rain started to come. And he said to, uh, Ahab, he said to Ahab, who was the king, he said, you better jump, jump on your chariot and go because there's a storm coming. And he then got supernaturally empowered. I mean, he took off and outran the chariot without a chariot. So he ran past the chariot. And all of that was incredible. He had a fantastic day in the office of the prophet. Yet, when, the, when Queen Jezebel heard about it, she wasn't very happy. And it says in this in 1 Kings 19, 1 to 3, when Ahab got home, he told Je- Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, may God strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I've not kiss- killed you as you killed them. And Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now, The reality is, in modern context, that was probably a text message from somebody. That was probably a a Facebook story or a Facebook message or a phone call or someone. It wasn't even heard directly from Jezebel. It was sent by a messenger, and and Elijah got scared. And, And that forced him into a cave. He ended up in a cave. And I want to talk today about how we get into a cave 
and how we get out of a cave. Now, in modern society, in the world we live in, we get into the caves, just like Elijah happened to Elijah, is when people speak words. And we hear those words, and then we play with those words in our mind, and we create a whole pile of stress for ourselves, and it forces us to withdraw to a cave situation. Uh, and in, in the reality, it's the same as what it was in those days, it's the same as what it is today. The pressures of life, force you into a cave. And we know there's pressures in life. I know in my world, I, I, in, in back in a long time ago, back in 1988 and the recession we had to have, and there's a few people who understand that, that um, in 1988, the, one of the prime ministers, Paul Keating, came out and said, we've got to have a recession, uh, which was pretty exciting if you're in business. So we had interest rates at 25% on my overdraft. At that stage, we had an overdraft of $150,000, which was a lot of money in those days. Um, we had 46 staff in two states uh, in the business we owned. We had um, amazing jobs happening. We had one job, however, was a, a place called Daly Street Telephone Exchange, right in the middle of Sydney, right up near Circular Quay. It's a seven-storey building they were building. And it's a telephone exchange. There wasn't a lot of fit out. All I had to have was vinyl floors and a painted roof. But it, was take, it took seven years to build that building. Now, we would build a seven-story building in 12 months, two years max. And it was taking seven, seven years to build seven stories. Because there was incredible union pressure. The, the BLF was around at that time and... and there was just strikes everywhere. And we were living on that site, and I had a, a really good crew of guys on that site. And they were, um, they'd get there in the morning and start work, and then the union rep would wander around and with rock wool in his pocket and would drop it on the floor. And rock wool's an illegal substance, so he would then all of a sudden say, rock wool, <laughs> and call the site out. So my good team would then go and sit in the sheds from 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock, and then go home. And you can imagine the challenge in a business in the middle of a recession with your overdraft where you're paying people seven days and you're not able to get any work done. We were living at a time when um, Moira got a knock on the door from a union rep. I think it was a union rep. Uh, because on the site, he said, I know you've got a wife and two kids. And a lot of pressure it was just the pressure of that time. The, the World Trade Center site had a, a guy there and, and he was putting the site out. He was the union guy there and he had a sidearm. So he'd walk up to you and literally go, site's out. And the guys would go, we're out. <laughs> it was those heady days of the building industry. It was incredible amount of pressure, you know. And, and we were living in a time then where when you've got that type of pressure and you've got not able to get the work done, your wage bill's growing and you're, um, you're not able to get your invoices in. We also had one of the companies we were working for, a large company, Honeywell, and they would delay, they had young project engineers who were taught how to contract. And one of the ways they were taught how to contract was to not pay subbies. So they would delay the subby payment. We had one incredible company called Chubb uh, who would pay us every 14 days, so it wasn't a problem. We would put an invoice in, they would pay 14 days. Honeywell went out to 190 days on payment. 
And it was just incredibly different. So while I explain all to, that to you, the pressure of the world can be great. And, and what happened to me in that time, when we're facing all these pressures, I went into reactive, what's thing called reactive depression. The circumstances of the day caused me to go into a depressed state. And I wandered into the doctor's office because I wasn't sleeping and, and I couldn't see a way out. And uh, the doctors went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, here's Valium, which was supposed to be mother's little helpers, but it certainly gave it to her father. And it didn't help. Um, and here's some sleeping tablets. And uh, I took them on the first night and uh, I got to sleep really well, but woke up at three o'clock in the morning with my eyes wide open. In the morning, I thought, well, that didn't work. So I got rid of them. And I came to God and said, God, what are we going to do? And I saw incredible freedom come from an encounter with God. You see, the pressures in your situation can cause you to go into the cave. No matter what it's in life, the pressures of life can cause us to go into cave. I, I know from a, a mum's perspective, the pressure of a new mum, postnatal, antenatal and postnatal depression can force you to go into a cave. No sleep, new baby, what do I do? All the different things, hormone changes and, and things happen in our life that can force us into a cave. But again, it's a situational depression. The pressure of, to succeed. The pressure of relationships, the pressure of work can all force us into cave. The pressure of comparison to others. When you look at your life and go, my life's not as good as their life because we look at a social media platform or a, we listen to the highlight reel rather than the real life reel. Because how everyone's real life is different to our highlight reel. And all these things can push us into the cave. The pressure of working through a COVID-19 pandemic is very real for us today. I know from a leadership perspective where I've talked to leaders around the world to lead through the pandemic. And if you're a business leader in this place or a pastor, you've led through a pandemic. And the pressure of that's very real. You're working very hard, not knowing what's coming the next day, trying to work through this pandemic. And then you're coming out of it and the pressure of coming out of it is just as great. Actually, it requires a whole, whole different skill set to come out of that, a whole different way you hold yourself and think about how you take your business out of this pandemic. Maybe you lost your job during the pandemic. It's very real. The mandates from government forced teachers, forced people in, forced people in early learning centres, forced nurses out of jobs and other people out of jobs. And that pressure's real. So we've got real reasons to be in a cave. The reality is we know one in four women, one in three women rather, in Australia suffer from depression. One in five men suffer from depression. However, with men it's interesting because men suicide more than women. Something about the male ego and not wanting to talk forces us into this cave. And there are all the reasons we can get into a cave, and I'm sure there's more. And some of the problems while we're in a cave, and this is some of the problems Elijah was having, is he started to self-talk, started to hold himself in the cave, and he actually come out and said, I basically want to die. I want to kill myself. And that's the reality of a cave experience. 
And that some of the problems in modern society that keeps us in the cave is we self-medicate or we go to the doctor and he gives us antidepressants and he gives us Valium and he gives us all those different things. But it actually doesn't get us out of the cave. We self-medicate. Sometimes we turn to, to alcohol or drugs or, or you turn to addictions or or just vegging out and, and, and the addiction becomes very real. Netflix addiction becomes real or, or scrolling addictions become real. And the problem with the addictions and that solution is it holds us in the cave. But God always wants us to get out of the cave. When he got to Elijah and God said, God to Elijah, Elijah's in the cave and he's in the cave for a day and God turns up to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Because he doesn't want him to stay in the cave. This guy just had the greatest experience with God. You imagine that, calling down fire from heaven that consumes the altar. Then run, outrunning a chariot. Outrunning a Tesla. And all of a sudden, from out of that adrenaline high, it's interesting to understand this because this is what happens to us. We can have the greatest success. We can be walking, working through the pandemic and have this great success as we go through the pandemic, but we live in an adrenaline high. And when we come off the adrenaline high, we actually fall into an anxiety or a depressive state. It's how we actually get out of that is what's the key. And I, I love the way Scripture talks to us about and gives us keys to that. You see, Scripture acknowledges that there's depression and anxiety. It acknowledges it. And I think Nikki did a fantastic job last week. Her, her series is up online on YouTube now if you want to re-watch it, and I really do recommend you do. And we've got a little interview with Nikki afterwards we'll be putting up on social media and that will actually talk, we talked about some of these issues. I talked to her about some of the issues later in the studio and we videoed that. But it's very real and understanding that anxiety and pressure is very real. And you know, people in Christians sometimes will just say, come on, get over it. Without getting any keys of how to get over it. Because we can get over it, we can get through this. Understanding that a lot of people, if one in three women and one in five men are suffering from anxiety and depression, we know there's people in our church that are doing that. We know that two million in Australia, people in Australia right now are suffering from anxiety and depression. And we know that we'll all probably suffer with it. You know, all of a sudden the situation changes and you retire and, and your retirement wasn't what you thought. And you've ended up going, wow, this wasn't what I expected. And it's easy to fall into that depression and anxiety. In, in what we see in school now is anxiety is rising because of the, the pressures of social media. And that can keep us in a cave, but I really know God wants to take us out of the cave. So how do you get out of the cave? It's a really interesting thing that God acknowledges that we can go into a cave and that there's times when we go into a cave we retreat and it's actually healthy. It's okay to retreat. It's okay to say, hey, I need time out. Now, understand, I'm a people person. My personality is I love people. I get, um, it, I get um, enthused. I get renewed. 
when I'm with people. But I get peopled out. My personality is a people personality. I I love people. I I love when I'm not on. I'm out on guest services and meeting people at the door. And and I just love that. It actually, it does enthuse me. It does make me excited. But there's times I get peopled out. And that's time for me to go into the cave. It's time to withdraw and refresh. But how do we get out of the cave? 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says this. And I love it, it's from the Amplified. I like the way the Amplified put this. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. Cast all your cares upon him. And I've heard that for years and I don't know about you, I've struggled with working out how to do that. You know, it's easy to say, oh, just cast your cares upon Jesus, brother. And you look at them and go, yeah, how do I do that? I know in the middle of my reactive depression, I had to learn how to cast my cares. Now, interestingly, I was praying. I said, God, God, how do I do this? And the funny thing was, I don't know where you believe in dreams and visions, but I've had a few, so I believe in them. Uh, God came to me with a vision, and he came to me with a green garbage bag with a yellow tie, so it was a glad one. And he said, I want you to put all of your concerns in there. So I did. I thought, wow, that's great. So I literally put them in. And that's how I saw myself doing it. I put them in the bag. And he tied the top of the bag off, threw it over his back and walked off. And I felt fantastic. I was out of the cave. But a few weeks later, guess what? The whole world hadn't changed. And I still had $150,000 overdraft at 25% interest. We still had a housing loan at 17.5%, 18%. We still had to make those payments. And I said to God, God, it's still the same. And he said, you've got to cast your cares, Ken. And he came to me because I said, I need another another glad garbage bag, God. But he came to me and said, Ken, what I want you to do is I want you to take your cares and I want you to put them into a box. And all your boxes laid out. So I took my cash flow problem and I put it in a box. I took the problem with the unions and I put it in a box. I put the problem with the sites and I put it in the box. I put the problems I was having with staff because all of a sudden the staff liked going to work at 7 o'clock and then finishing at 10. So I started to put all these problems in boxes because that's what he said to do. And he said, right, I can what I want you to do is I want you to open that cash flow box and if there's anything you can do in that box, do it. Anything you can do in that box, do it. So I made some phone calls because you've got to understand when you're in the cave and you're in depression, it's really hard to find a way out. So I opened the box and I did what I did in each one of those boxes. You know what I found? The depression started to go away. Because I was casting my cares upon him. I did everything I could do. And then it took all the things that he could do and he took the pressure away and the pain away. One of the keys is how do we cast our cares? Maybe for you it's identifying the problems you're facing. 
Because sometimes when we're in a cave and you're in the pressure and if you're not in a cave or you've been in a cave or you're going into a cave, it's understanding how we actually get out and that is to cast our cares, to identify the things that can get us out of the cave and start doing them one upon one. James chapter 5 verse 13 to 16 says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and have them come and pray for you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer often in face will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And that scripture is really important because it, it, it actually identifies that we all suffer hardships. That life, stuff happens. And the problem with comparison is that we look at other people and say, it's not happening to them, why is it happening to me? But happen, hardships happen to everybody, as does things went going well. That's why when we at hardships, we pray. When things are going well and we're happy, sing praises. Enjoy the season. And then we get to prayer. And the interesting thing about prayer is we pray. We say, God, what am I going to do with this? I'm always amazed at how God speaks. I know a business friend who's a, a coach of a business guy. We know the coach really well. And this business guy was having all types of trouble in his business. And he, was, uh, he would drive from the Gold Coast to his business that was down at Slacks Creek. And uh, he, the traffic would make him cranky. Now, we, have, we don't really have traffic in Toowoomba. I do know we have a traffic report. But down there, they have real traffic. And it would make him cranky. And he'd get to work, and all the staff would disappear because he's cranky. And he would rip people's heads off, and that didn't do anything for morale. It didn't help uh, the, the staff at all. Uh, and he, his business wasn't going well. He was working seven days a week, big hours, and not doing very well. And the coach got him, and, and the, the organization he was with, the, it was a franchise organization, said, you need to get a business coach to all of the franchisees. You need to get a business coach, but you need to get one that's got a spiritual side to them. And they didn't care what it was. You could go to anywhere for your spiritual side. And this guy happened to contact the friend of mine who's a coach and said, hey, do you coach in this stuff and the spiritual stuff? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And uh, so he started to coach him and, and he was talking to this guy and the guy was telling him his problems of traffic and all of these things going on. He said, well, why don't you pray? And the guy said, how do I do that? I don't know how to pray. And the coach said, well, why don't you speak to the air? And he started to speak to the air. And the coach next month saw him and said, how are you going? He said, the air speaks back. <laughs> and he counted God. He actually now a business guy that is planting churches. He's uh, gone on, he sold his business and he, he made a lot of money. He, only ended, he ended up working three days a week and his business prospered and was one of the most successful in the franchises. But of course he encountered God but he learned to pray. Have people pray for you. You notice in that scripture, it says, have your friends pray for you. Confess your sins one to another. People and and the power, you see, sin holds us bound. The guilt of sin can hold us in the cage. It's powerful if we actually 
confess our sin one to another. And you know, the funny thing about confessing sin one to another, it's a scary thing to step out and do. But it's that scripture says, then you'll be healed. It's one thing to find freedom for a moment, but it's another thing to find freedom for a long time, be healed. That's the power of our small groups. You know, when we talk about church and the power of this church is that we have lots and lots of small groups and we want more small groups because there's this incredible need for people to be able to connect at an intimate level and have people who are willing to pray. One of the things we want to see in our small groups is people say, what can I pray for you this week? What have you been struggling with? What's God saying to you in that such a simple few lines in a small group? But say, hey, what's God, what's, what are you struggling with this week? What's God saying for you this week? And how can I pray for you? Because there's incredible power in what we do to keep us out of the cave, to get us out and to keep us out. You see, when we pray, we get out of the cave. When we have people around us, we have community, it keeps us out of the cave. There's power in community. There's power in what we do as a church. I love the way Philippians 4, 6 puts it. I love this scripture. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Coming out of the, get out of the cave, as we pray, we say, hey God, these are my needs. As I opened the boxes, I said, here's my needs, God. As I cast my care upon Jesus, here's my needs. And he answered it. And then he said, uh, then thank him for what he's done. Thank him for all the things you've done. Because all of a sudden, what does that do? It puts your mind in a different position. It's not going, oh, look at all these problems. It's going, Jesus, thank you. Look what you did with the last time I opened the box. Look what you did with the last time I cast my care upon you. Because all of a sudden your mind shifts from the, the problem to a solution. The peace of God which exceeds anything will guard your hearts and your minds. And don't we need our hearts and minds guarded? Our, our mind are the things that process things. We hear the words like Elijah spoke. Got that word from Jezebel and it got into his mind. But our heart, the inner man, is what actually we need to protect. God will protect your heart and your mind. That's why we have faith confessions. And if you don't know what faith confessions is, you jump on the website. There's my faith confessions listed there. You can find them. You search faith confessions on Highlands. And, but it's what, it, all of a sudden, it's guarding my heart and my mind. It's positioning me, repositioning me, taking my eyes off me and putting them onto God, taking my eyes off the things that I see around me and putting on the promises of God. Paul said to Timothy, fight the fight of faith in 1 Timothy 5. Fight the fight of faith with the prophetic words that go before you. Grab that faith confession. People don't have them. I really encourage you. Find something. If you haven't got them, just jump through the Bible and pick a few out. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or think, the Bible says. Imagine if you started to ask for some things and then started to think about them, put them out every day what God can do. Gets you out of the cave. Staying out of the cave. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
understand there was a lot of pressure going on. And he understood that. The reason we know that, because we look at the context of Scripture, the Scripture before was talking about the pressure, was talking about how you get out of the cave, talking about all the pressure that's coming on, talking about don't worry, because it's talking about the anxiety and the pressure. And then he says how to keep out of that. So he said, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Because most times our thoughts are on the things that are not true. We believe the lies rather than the truth. Things that are true, things that are noble, things that are lovely, honourable and right, pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. See, in 4.6 it says the peace of God will guard your heart. To keep out of the cave, you need the peace of God with you. That's how when you give your life to Jesus, you ask Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, you'll have an opportunity in a moment if you haven't done that, to do that. Because you want the peace of God with you every day. Finally, I think, is how do we deal with the Sabbath? When we're out of the cave, to keep out of the cave, one of the most powerful things God has given us is our Sabbath. And we know in the religious sense, we think about the Sabbath as I've got to pray and I've got to read the Bible, I've got to go to church or I've got to do some religious things. But I love the way Jesus talked about the Sabbath in Mark 2.27. He said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people meet, meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What's your Sabbath? What is it that recreates you? See, that's the Sabbath. Do we stop work, we stop worry, and we get into faith? Because to have a Sabbath is all about faith. But find what recreates us. Recreation. Do we stop doing work and we actually find recreation? Recreation is recreation. Recreation of your soul. So we can get so busy being worried about things. We can get so busy worried about work. We can get so busy work. I'm a reformed workaholic. However, people argue that I'm not quite reformed. But I'm trying. I love work. I love what I do. But what you got to with what recreates your soul? You see, as kids, we know. We see kids and they run outside and they play and their souls recreate. You see the things they love to do. You'll see them play in the dirt and make mud pies. You'll see kids that love to read will go and read. You'll see kids that, that, love to, that love to paint will paint. Kids that love to work with their hands. You'll see them working with their hands because their soul's being recreated. As adults, sometimes we lose that wonder. God wants us to have a Sabbath, and it's not a religious thing. It was made for man. And that helps keep us out of the cave because our souls recreate it. So easy to get stuck in the cave, friend. So easy in the society we have, the pressures of the world, the things going on in the world, the opinions of the world can lock us back. But God always says, hey, what are we doing here? It's okay to go there, but you can't stay there. 
got to step out. And if you're struggling, if you're struggling and you're in a cave or you know someone that's struggling in a cave, get help. See, see someone that will help you. Go and see a counsellor, see a psych. And somehow in Australia, we've got this stigma of, of, around that. But I actually think it's a God deal. He's given us these people who give us wonderful tools to help us do life better. There's no stigma around. I think the US have got a, gone the other way. Everyone's got a therapist. It's a bit like a personal trainer. I've got one, but I never see them. But I think we could actually use it to our advantage. I said to Nikki the other, last week, I said, hey, would you recommend people have a, a health checkup every year? You know, like we go to the, the doctor and we have a health checkup, but also have a mental health checkup. And say, hey, help me with my mind. We all know we need it. Honestly, we do. You know, the greatest thing we have I love the way Scripture gives us all these solutions. But one of the greatest things we have is a relationship with Jesus. Why is that important? Because it's a person that's with us every day. It's not a religious experience. It's a relationship. Maybe in this room today, you've come into this place and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've had a religious experience. Maybe you've been in church all your life and You've never asked Jesus into your life. Maybe church hasn't been that way for you. It's just been something that's a family value, though therefore you go to church. Maybe today you've come in because your mum said it's time to go to church for Mother's Day. But you see, God wants to come into your life to know you. So you can take the promises we've talked about this morning and can be real in your life. The way we do that here is I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes and bow your head. And the reason I ask you to do that is it's, this is a privacy deal. This is something, a decision you're going to make, not your friend, not your spouse, not your mother, but you. It's a decision to say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Deal with the sin that I've got. Deal with the guilt I've got. Deal with the pressures of my life. there's one thing to know about Jesus it's another thing to know him so I want to give you the opportunity the way I do that while no one's looking around if that's you and you'd like to ask Jesus in your life this morning I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and the reason we raise our hand is simple that it's an outward expression of an inward decision it's saying yes God I want you so right across this room right now if that's you and you're one of those people you've been away from God you want to come back never asked Jesus into your heart and you'd like to today I'd love to pray with you so right across this room right now last time I'm asking this morning I don't want to delay it but it's so so important as I look across this room you've never given your life to Christ or you're coming back to Christ fantastic Father I pray for everyone in this room if they know you Lord bless them if they don't know you Lord I ask you to woo them they come into that relationship with you, that they'll know you, not just know about you. I ask you to touch their hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.